Oral questions by members? Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. For almost 30 years, Directions Youth Detox has helped young people with addictions. But last week, shockingly, this government decided to cut funding and close the program, which is the only youth detox centre in Vancouver. Sierra Firth is a youth detox counsellor, and she says, and I quote, Directions Youth Detox is a unique and much-loved service. Many youth will suffer from its closure. My question is to the Minister. Will you do the right thing, reverse this cut, and stop this closure? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The need is great across British Columbia for the mental health and addictions support care that we are adding almost every week. It's hard to find an, a week on the calendar where we are not building more treatment, more detox beds, opening new supervised consumption sites, advancing work like decriminalization, prescribed safe supply. Uh, to the member's question, uh, there will be no reduction in service in any place that we are adding more supports. So as we are implementing our unprecedented expansion of funding for building that continuum of care that did not exist before, health authorities do look at existing contracts and existing services. Um, they do find sometimes that there are better ways to deliver supports, and that is the case with directions. It won't the contract won't end until June, um, and what uh, Vancouver Coastal Health is doing with the funding that the province provides hiring new employees, providing new supports, all based on the consultation that the health authority did with the families and children. Um, as we, the, the course of the overdose crisis changes, so do the services that we deliver, and there will be no reduction in services for young people grappling with substance use challenges. Member for Surrey White uh, Rock, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We've, we've seen this before. We've seen it with Pathways, Kermias, Sequoia, and all their youth recovery homes in Vancouver, all cut by this government. When Pathways was defunded, the minister promised there would be no disruptions. She was wrong. And only 10% of Pathway clients registered to get help from the health authority. Alicia Hamilton says, and I quote, Directions Youth Detox has served so many youth, why would anyone consider closing a crucial service in an opiate crisis and highest drug overdose cases? We need more beds, not less, end quote. So again, to the minister. Why is this minister closing directions youth talks and reducing services to those in need at such a critical time? Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We're, doing an, we're using an evidence-based approach to expanding services to continue to build a system of care where there was not one before. That often means taking a hard look at existing services um, sometimes offerings that have been used for years um, and, so, and asking whether this is still the same way to go. This is what Vancouver Coastal Health did with the families and young people that have been receiving services through directions. Um, in cases like in Richmond, for example, we did see how the redirection of funds, as we're adding new funds into the system, how changing the system of delivery resulted in remarkable improvements in access to care for young people and families throughout the community. In the case of Vancouver Coastal Health and, um, and the Directions Youth Detox Centre, it was a, a um, social detox, not a traditional detox bed. 
And what we learned was that the model of care being used at that facility isn't longer, any longer aligning with current guidelines that are um, developed by the BC Centre on Substance Use. And so instead, a new contract that will be, um, that is going to be out for tender will contribute to other actions like hiring nine new full-time employees, expanding home stabilization teams to provide longer term wraparound support, more access to home and community detox with medical supports, creating a downtown east side youth outreach team. This is all based on the consultation that we heard from young people and families. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, thank you. Uh, the closure of Directions Youth Detox is personal to me. Um, when you say no reduction in services, I don't understand where a young person, a street-entrenched young person at 1 o'clock in the morning who decides they need to seek support is going to go with the closure of this only youth-focused detox program in Vancouver. I know this home, I've had the honour of meeting the staff and some of the young people that are in this program and have experienced it. Um, I've seen the impact of directions on the vulnerable youth, including a 16-year-old girl who had her life saved by this program, and its incredible caring staff. The alternative is that a young, vulnerable woman like this 16-year-old would be forced to go to an adult facility because this is the only youth facility available. That would make her more vulnerable to adults, drug dealers, and negative influences. So I am begging the minister, will she please reverse this cut and protect the youth I know depend on the life-saving services provided at Directions Youth Detox? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Vancouver Coastal Health has undertaken community engagement with youth and families. What they heard is that there is need for more support for parents and caregivers to be involved in their child's care, and that there is need for more responsive and client-centered services. I've directed the health authorities never to let a contract like this expire without already having the new system of care in place, so there will be no loss of support and services for young people. Vancouver Coastal Health says that this was an underutilized system, and, and so we're going to build different kinds of supports designed or as, as a, um, directed and determined by the people that are using them. This will be, there'll be no loss of service. There will be new services added instead um, by the time that the contract with directions ends in June. Member for West Vancouver Capilano, supplemental. Uh, Mr. Speaker, um, uh, the minister talks about family and in-home care. Many of the young people uh, who are street entrenched who access this service, they don't have family. They don't have anywhere else to go. So the other programs that are being described are not programs that are going to be appropriate for them. If the minister was serious about saving lives, she would restore funding not just to directions, but to all the community recovery centers that have been cut by this NDP government. But the minister's record gives us little reason to trust her, Mr. Speaker. She's admitted that the youth beds announced two years ago only 28 have opened, which is less than a quarter of what this government promised. An estimated 300,000 youth in BC, that is one out of five, need mental health and substance use services, and things are getting worse, not better. I'll quote Serena Jackson, who is a youth support worker, shutting down directions detox 
in the middle of a poison drug crisis is completely unacceptable. People will die. This is not an exaggeration, unquote. Will the minister please reverse this NDP cut? Minister. Mr. Speaker, once again, I'll say to the member, there is nothing in our, uh, in our budget or in our government's term that, that you could call a cut in service. In every way we are expans expanding services. There, there's no question that fighting two public health emergencies and unrolling a mass immunization campaign has made it challenging for our healthcare system to implement, for example, the doubling of youth treatment beds that we have committed to in budget, and the work continues to be underway. But we've already added hundreds of new treatment beds. We're adding hundreds more. I will hold our record up. Um, against any other governments in British Columbia any time. We're determined to build the supports that young people need. Uh, in this case, with directions, we are not discontinuing service. We are adapting and expanding service that young people need in that community. And Vancouver Coastal Health is the implementer and is making those decisions based on evidence with our funding. Member for Saanich North End Islands. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Uh, Speaker. Food security is a growing concern uh, in British Columbia. Uh, the impact of the climate uh, emergency, uh, the food security is felt in the grocery stores and in our budget, uh, empty shelves, sky-high prices of food. But Indigenous communities uh, such as my own, food security has been under threat uh, for much longer, Mr. Speaker. We view uh, in here uh, food security through a colonial lens. Uh, take, for example, how uh, resource development has a significant negative impacts uh, on hunting. Uh, each year, my family goes hunting for a moose. Uh, but in recent years, uh, it's been more like a uh, hike with a gun. Uh, as my sister, uh, Joni Olson, uh, negotiations analyst for the Saanich Leadership Council, uh, said uh, at a recent meeting, quote, the Western definition of food security has and continues to be uh, destroy indigenous food security. Agricultural nutrients and fecal matter and the waterways have culminative, uh, cumulative effects uh, on species and create DFO closures on our beaches. When the tide is out, our table is set, but this has not been the case on polluted beaches. When the beach is closed, it criminalizes our harvesting and our food security. Keep in mind that, blueberry, that the blueberry ruling was on the cumulative impact that toxin input and removal of habitat contribute to, end quote. Through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Minister of Agriculture, what specific actions has the Minister taken to protect all forms of food security, including the right of Indigenous people to harvest wild animals, plants and medicines? Minister of Agriculture and Food. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you for the question. I think it's a really important question uh, to be posing. Uh, especially these days as we see uh, so many situations where our general food security in the province has been under threat by climate change, uh, related disasters, uh, supply chain issues because of the pandemic. All of this brings into question what is food security for our province. It's one of the things that our government is especially interested in because we need to include everybody in that conversation. 
And so uh, two years ago, through my ministry, we formed the BC Indigenous Advisory Council on Agriculture and Food. Throughout this last two years, we've come to a terms of reference and we are now compiling with working with Indigenous partners a set of action plans that reflect uh, what we would consider modern day food security but also Indigenous food security and that takes into account uh, different types of food systems like natural food systems, uh, wild mushrooms, berries, etc. And so I think we're, we're well on our way to having a different lens on what food security is and I'm really proud of the work that's been done by our, our Indigenous partners. Member for Saanich Northern Island, supplemental. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I thank the Minister for uh, her response. It's, a, it's an important response uh, because last Thursday, uh, we heard the Minister of Forests defend uh, the spraying of poisonous glyphosate, uh, saying it was allowed because it's regulated through the Integrated Pest Management Act. Uh, let me remind the Minister of Forests that these uh, pesky plant species that uh, she justifies killing are native plants. Uh, they're not pests. They're the foods and the medicines uh, Indigenous peoples have harvested and traded uh, since time immemorial. Uh, our Minister of Forests is killing native uh, plant species as pests, uh, and it's no wonder why uh, this government has been so reluctant, reluctant to actually pass uh, biodiversity legislation. They're too eager to wipe out uh, whatever uh, biodiversity we have left to protect uh, these lifeless tree farms uh, so the forestry industry can increase uh, their timber harvest volumes. If willfully destroying biodiversity isn't enough, the policy our Minister of Forest defended last week is a clear example of environmental racism. When asked about this last week, the Minister did not answer the question. Uh, in fact, the Minister knowingly ignored this clear case of environmental racism and took refuge in the laws and regulations that enable environmental racism to exist in British Columbia. So I'll ask the Minister again, through your Honourable Speaker to the Minister of Forests, does the Minister believe that the rights of Indigenous peoples to harvest traditional plants are outweighed by the Ministry's interest to maximize harvest volumes by spraying glyphosate? Minister of Forests. Uh, Mr. Speaker, just to be clear, since 2015, the use of glyphosate in, in the forestry sector has actually de declined by 95%. And the member referred last week to the Sea to Sky region, and since 2012, uh, that area, it, it has, glyphosate has not been used in that area for over 10 years, and there is no planned use for it this year. Um, all six First Nations that were impacted by the BC Timber Sales Pest Management Plan were consulted by, um, as part of its development. And actually, in, in clear contradiction to what the members claim was last Friday, uh, the Squamish First Nation actually put out a public statement confirming that they were in fact consulted and they have agreed to the current plan. There will be no glyphosate use in that region. Member for Vancouver, Langara. Mr. Speaker, one month ago, the BC Coroner's Death Review Panel called for an urgent provincial response to match that of the response to COVID. Now the Chalneth Tribal Council is demanding urgent action and is also calling for the same kind of urgent response as with the pandemic. Judith Sayers says, quote, we can't keep saying this is a crisis, an emergency, if we haven't taken drastic steps 
to prevent more deaths. The time to act is now. End quote. Will the minister listen to the Nutellnet and accept the urgent timelines and recommendations of the death review panel? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The toxic drug crisis it has affected every ministry almost in our government. Um, across government, we are working in unprecedented ways, adding new services across the continuum. Harm reduction in the form of supervised consumption sites, including inhalation sites. There was one in 2017, there are 40 now, and we are building more. We've added hundreds of treatment beds. We've opened the Redfish Healing Centre, the first place to open on the former River View lands, now known as Samiqua'ela, 105, first in North America, concurrent disorder treatment beds. And we're going to add more. We've added hundreds of adult treatment beds. We're going to add hundreds more. We are expanding our prescribed safe supply. We're the first province in at the first um, province in Canada, I think the first place in North America to prescribe safe supply, and we are expanding it, adding new drugs, adding new access points. In every way, we are acting with urgency, including with First Nations leadership. Um, I don't think there's any other province in Canada that funds directly a First Nations health authority, and we work hand-in-hand -hand on overdose response. The loss of life is terrible. The urgency we feel every day is strong, um, and the, many of the actions in the death review panel are actions we've been working on and continue to focus on every day. Member for Vancouver Langara, supplemental. Mr. Speaker, this clearly is a crisis and an emergency, and families all over British Columbia continue to feel how that is. We need action and urgency from this government. And Judith Sayer says, quote, the government response hasn't been enough, end quote. Acting with urgency starts with accepting the recommendations of the death review panel. But yet, we have yet to hear from this government something as simple as, we accept the recommendations. The panel provided a blueprint with critical deadlines, including under recommendation three. That recommendation is that by April 11th, one week from today, the minister must work with groups, including the First Nations Health Authority, and to review recommendations from the 2017 death review panel that the government has yet to act on. Will the minister accept all the panel's recommendations and take the priority actions called for by the April 11th deadline? Minister. Mr. Speaker, the panelists on the death review panel are the organizations and the health authorities that we work with every day. It's with them that we built the pathway to hope. It's with them that we run our overdose emergency response center. It's with them that we identify what gaps were in the continuum of care and that we continue to fill out those gaps in treatment, recovery, prevention, overdose um, prevention, uh, decriminalization, safe supply, all of the things that we're doing. The, um, the, the many actions that are identified in the death review panel report are the ones that are already embedded within our overdose emergency response plan, our joint steering committee, which um, includes multiple independent officers from across government, which inform me and my ministry directly. Um, we are working every day, including with First Nations Health Authority, $20 million to build new treatment centers, $20 million to support the design of and implementation of land-based healing approaches, $24 million over three years. 
for First Nations-led and specific overdose prevention and response. Uh, 1.13 million to Métis, BC, again on overdose res response actions. We are working every day as fast as we can, and it's a tragic um, uh, calamity of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that the spikes in drug toxicity from 4 to 8 percent fentanyl before the months before the uh, pandemic was declared to now 24 to 28 percent. They're outstripping uh, our life-saving interventions and efforts, and so we just have to um, work harder and do more faster. Opposition House Leader. Uh, well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, solving a crisis, uh, especially one that's been a public health emergency for six years, and, and that's claiming the lives of, of seven British Columbians every single day, uh, starts with a purposeful action worthy of the crisis that you're trying to solve. The 23 experts on the death review panel concluded that what the government's uh, doing isn't working, uh, and that much more urgency is required uh, and that putting uh, the 30, 60, 90 day action plan in place by May 9th is a reasonable uh, uh, recommendation to, to make, a reasonable action to take in the, in the near term. Nothing would speak stronger uh, to our collective commitment to urgency than putting this action plan, which does have aggressive timelines and critical accountabilities in place and putting it in place immediately. Um, unfortunately, to this point, the minister has rejected uh, the timeline uh, to complete the action plan uh, as recommended by the death review panel saying, and I quote, it doesn't work, end quote. Time is of the essence. Despite the, uh, the minister refusing to do so previously, will she today reconsider her opposition and commit to tabling a 30, 60, 90 uh, day action plan by the death review panel's May 9th deadline. Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you. I support the actions described in the death review panel, and I have said in this House, and I've said so um, publicly the day that the report was released. Um, but would, uh, to, for me to give uh, communities and people that are losing loved ones every day a false sense of confidence that we can do in 30 days what this province has been trying to do for the last five years? What, what would be gained from that? This is, um, we are losing people every day, but saying, let's just um, turn it around in, let, let's change that terrible outcome in 30 days. It, it, it's, it, I, w I wish that it could be so. I wish that it could be so. Member for Peace River North. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. The death review panel found that most deaths occurred among young people. Yet this minister, who is cutting youth detox services during a crisis and is far behind on her promises, foundry uh, centres massively delayed, youth treatment beds that aren't open after two years, and integrated child and youth teams that are not even staffed years after they were announced. Two years ago, this government withdrew a flawed Bill 22 and promised to consult and reintroduce legis uh, legislation to support parents and youth. Where is the urgency for these young people? To the minister, will legislation to support youth be introduced this session? 
Minister. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, in every element of health care and mental health deliveries, we are expanding services for young people. Uh, the member mentioned foundries, uh, 11 locations open now of these uh, inspiring, integrated uh, reproductive health, primary health care, mental health counseling, addictions counseling support. 11 locations now, and as I assured the member in estimates, Burns Lake, Comox, Cranbrook, Langley, Squamish, Surrey, Port Hardy, Williams Lake, all about to open, delayed certainly by supply chain and construction through the pandemic, but um, soon to open, and many of them um, in this calendar year and coming months, I hope. The um, expansion of early psychosis interventions, uh, $53 million, well implemented across the province. Um, ICY teams coming on board, uh, working with Dan's Legacy and other organizations to do that work of stabilizing youth um, after an overdose. Um, across the continuum and across every stakeholder, we're working directly with people on the front lines, um, adding services in every way as fast as we can, and that work continues. Member Supplemental. Uh, thanks, Honourable Speaker. And, and I believe the Minister must believe that we're making these questions up and these stories up because the fact remains that there are significant challenges happening. Youth and families have lost, that have lost loved ones deserve action now. The Premier either genuinely thought that Bill 22 was uh, important enough to plunge our province into an election in the middle of a pandemic or he was only cynically using it as an excuse. Here we are, two years later, and there's still no sign of legislation. And this is what the Premier said, and I quote, I believe that this is an important bill because we've talked to parents who've lost children, end quote. Can the Minister, can this government tell those parents why after the NDP used it as a political excuse that they've taken no action for two years on helping these families. Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you. Uh, let me be clear, I don't agree with the member's characterization of the Premier's uh, um, actions or, um, or of our government's actions, but I will say safety of youth is our government's top priority. When we first put forward legislation in 2020, we heard from families and Indigenous leadership and healthcare providers that we needed to have more conversations with them, and we've continued to do that. And, and in the meantime, we've been focused on building up all the missing pieces of the voluntary healthcare system for youth struggling with addictions challenges, opening new youth treatment beds, 20 in Chilliwack, almost 30 in other parts of the province, increasing funding for mental health and substance use services, uh, supporting initiatives that meet youth where they're at, like the Dan's Legacy Project that we are funding in four hospitals um, where uh, peers connect with youth right after an overdose, build that, um, so that relationship and trust and connect them to a range of healthcare and social services, opening more community foundry centres and moving foundry online and establishing the foundry app so that people anywhere in the province can connect with care. And there is more that we've done and there's more to do. Member for North, Kamloops, North Thompson. 
Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, earlier the, the Minister said she didn't want to give false confidence. Well, the problem, Mr. Speaker, is she has created no confidence for families and youth in this province seeking treatment. We see 2017 recommendations still outstanding from the coroner, and this minister refuses to acknowledge the urgency that those need to be acted upon. Those recommendations have been out the whole length this government has been in office, yet they remain outstanding. Now with the new death review panel out, still ignored. 123 promised youth treatment beds of which only 28 are open, yet the minister tries to make it sound like there's expanded youth treatment options. The reality is they are falling further and further behind as we slowly climb from six deaths per day on average to seven deaths per day on average under this government and this minister's watch. For youth struggling with addictions, the NDP are making things worse and not better. The facts back it up, and now they're closing youth detox treatment, and the minister can try to say it'll be seamless. History will say that has not happened since 2017. Here's what Rebecca Pollard says, and I quote, I'm a registered nurse and feel this move is reprehensible in the current context of the opioid crisis and increased substance use in the youth population. We need more of these centres to open urgently and certainly not closed. Please reverse your decision immediately, end quote. Or Stephanie Benedict ben Dixon, who says, and I quote, why are we taking this service away when we are in the middle of an overdose crisis? Helping homeless youth is key to preventing future crises, not to mention it's just the right thing to do. I can't believe we live in a society that thinks taking away this service makes sense. So we have workers in the system, we have nurses in the system, we have the coroner saying this government is not doing enough fast enough. When will the minister reverse this decision and actually add true capacity to the system so our youth can get the treatment and help they deserve? Minister. In addition to the 48 new youth addiction treatment beds that we have opened already, uh, there will be another um, almost 100 that are, we are on course to open. Uh, we have expanded early psychosis funding. We have uh, uh, taken. Um, we have, and in relation to the um, to the death review panel in 2017, we have added drug testing. We have closed loopholes in the regulations for addiction treatment beds. Um, much of that work is complete. As much as we were able to do within the existing framework, and we've closed regulations in every case that we can. In every case that we can. We uh, continue to work to repair a damaged system that we inherited. Um, we will continue to do the work every day and, uh, and would be so grateful for the um, partnership of the opposition rather than to alarm uh, community members that we are losing services. There will be no loss of service with connections. There will be uh, more services for people more uh, uh, attuned and more in line with what the young people that we have asked what they need for. That's the way that our government works, informed by the people that need and use the service. And that is the system of care that we are working hard every day to build. The bell and question period.